seeing it for the first time with my own eyes was like just I mean, I was blown away. You know, I had never seen, you know, I've, I, I have a big old 400 plus bull elk in my in, in my house that I shot in Salmon, Idaho, actually, uh, while I was in the Marine Corps. Um, you know, I have, you know, a couple mule deer, a whitetail, like, you know, but like when I seen that ram, that was it, man. I was like, fuck, that is bad, man. That is a, that's that's a bad animal, you know. These are stories of outdoor adventure and expert advice from folks with calloused hands. I'm James Nash, and this is the Six Ranch Podcast. The Six Ranch Podcast is brought to you by Sig Sauer. SIG is a leading provider and manufacturer of firearms, electro-optics, ammunition, air guns, and suppressors. For over 250 years, SIG Sauer Inc. has evolved and thrived by blending American ingenuity, German engineering, and Swiss precision. Today, SIG Sauer is synonymous with industry-leading quality and innovation, which has made it the brand of choice amongst the U.S. military the global defense community, law enforcement, competitive shooters, hunters, and responsible citizens. Sig Sauer is also a premier provider of elite firearms instruction and tactical training at the Sig Sauer Academy located in New Hampshire. For more information about Sig Sauer and its complete line of products, visit SigSauer.com. Mr. David Martinez, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Good, good. I want to hear, I want to hear your story. Um, All right. <laughs> where, are you, where are you from? Like Marine Corps, like, okay. And where you are now. Okay. Um, so rundown. Um, originally I was, I was born and raised in, well, born and raised to a certain extent in Northern California. How far North? Uh, Oakland, actually Oakland, San Leandro area. So I was, I lived there till I was in about uh seventh, eighth grade, somewhere in there. Um, and my father got a different job at that point though, in my life, my family was very heavy, like outdoors already, uh, doing a lot of hunting up in the Sierra Nevada mountains. My grandfather done hunting since he was younger, um, up in Wyoming, Montana here, uh, Idaho, Oregon. Um, and so by the time, you know, my father and then me hunting was already a big part of our, like life in a, in a, in a sense, you know what I mean? I even have pictures of me. I'm thinking I'm like seven or eight years old and I'm like holding like a little, little like Crossman BB gun out there in the, out there in the mountains. And my grandfather and my dad are standing next to me and everybody's wearing like regular clothing. You know what I mean? Like blue jeans and yeah. like, you know, some like, uh, what do, what do they call those ones? Those uh, bean boots, I think is what they're called. The rubber sole leather top, like the old style, like hunting boots. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's funny seeing all that, but uh, with saying all that. So at that point, by the time I was in like middle school, hunting was already like a big, you know, already a, a, at least a, a family affair. Um, and so when we did move, we moved to Ohio, uh, which going from Northern California to Ohio was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it was, it, it was a big change. You know what I mean? It was definitely, it was definitely wild. Uh, but it, it had its benefits because being in Ohio, you know, whitetail in Ohio is huge. Sure. Uh, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's big up there, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Michigan. Um, and so moving there that like really like 
pushed me and my dad into, you know, deer hunting, like, but for real, like being like really serious about it. You know what I mean? Um, and so during that time, I mean, just, you know, hunting and then high school. Um, and so when I was in high school, I joined the Marine Corps, uh, technically when I was in, I was technically 17. Um, uh, my dad actually had to, my father had to sign the paperwork for me in order for me to, to go to boot camp. Um, uh, I was like right on the cusp. And so, uh, either way, yeah, I joined the Marine Corps in 2004. Um, and I was in the Marine Corps until I was medically discharged in 2013. Um, oh, I was in the infantry in the Marine Corps as well. I was an infantryman my, my entire time. I actually even re-enlisted to stay in the infantry um, and not and not do my B billet. I was supposed to be, I was trying to be, I guess I should say, because I wasn't supposed to be. I guess it wasn't for, a for sure thing, but um, I was supposed to be a drone instructor uh, on Paris Island. Right. Um, and uh, pretty much during that time, this is like 2004, five, this is like 2006, 2007 timeframe. The Marine Corps was like really hurting for uh, NCOs to stay in the infantry. Um, and at the time I was a corporal, I was almost to a sergeant. And um, they were pretty much like, hey, man, you know, if you can stay infantry, you know what I mean? We'll give you a, a fatty bonus, you know, and uh, but you got to stay infantry for four more years. You, you, you can't hit the B billet, you know. Um, and so I was like, OK, you know what? The bonus was freaking phenomenal. You know, um, I reenlisted in country. I actually reenlisted in, in Iraq. I was in Ramadi, Iraq, actually, when I reenlisted. Yeah, that was that was the time for Ramadi, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2006. Yeah. Um, and so I was actually in Ramadi, in Iraq when I reenlisted. And then um, about that time, I got wounded the first time and then uh, um, came back and then went on another deployment for a, for a year in Baghdad and then got wounded again. Um, and then that was the one that, uh, that got me medically discharged. And then, uh, yeah, man, that's pretty much it. And so then I came back, I was at wounded warrior West for about, about two years, year okay. and a half. I had yeah. a couple of reconstructive surgeries. Um, I had some pins, skin graphing, um, and uh, most of it on my one foot, my, my left foot. And, uh, yeah, I got out in April 29th of 2012 and, uh, that pretty much, kind of, kind of ended the Marine Corps thing for me. Uh, although it was never my intention to leave. I, I, you know, my intention was to stay in the Marine Corps for at least, you know, 20, 25 years. You know, that was kind of like my, I don't say my life's goal, but, you know, being just a kid in high school, you know, I'm like, I don't want to go to college, you know, and, and go more to school, you know? So my dad was more the one that was like, Hey man, you know, why don't you join the military? Three hots in a cot. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, they take care of you, you see the world, you know? And, and I guess maybe like my own, personality kind of shined in a little bit when it came to joining the Marine Corps. Cause you know, being in, in the infantry was always like, uh, I don't know, I guess it's at least when I was younger, it was something that I was, that I enjoyed in the sense of like, not understanding it obviously, but like being heroic behind it, something that like was beyond yourself. You know what I mean? Uh, something that pushed me to a level that I only had seen on like movies and documentaries and like, you know, the amount of gratitude and honor that I felt for the people that I seen, you know, um, including my grandfather who was in the Navy. And so it was just kind of, it ended up being an inevitable thing. You know what I mean? So when I actually, when I joined the Marine Corps, they, they were like, Hey man, you know, the recruiter was like, Hey, what do you want to do? You know? And I was like, man, I want to be in the infantry. And he was kind of like, are you sure? Like you, you are you sure that's what you want to do? You want to be an infantryman? And I was like, yeah, like, that's what I want. You know, and he's like, you got to be fucking tough. You know, you got to be bad to be a fucking infantryman, especially a Marine Corps infantryman. And I'm like, that's what I want. And having that kind of drive is always been maybe not drive, but like that 
personal. I have to beat myself personally. You know what I mean? I don't like to do something for myself if I feel like I'm cutting myself short. You know what I mean? I've always been that kind of a person. You know, in high school, I ran track. Matter of fact, I was, I, I don't know if it still stands, but I used to hold this, the Ohio State record for uh, the 400 meter dash. I was in football in high school, you know, so very, I don't want to say athletic, but, you know, I always did like competitive sports and, you know, my parents always geared me that way. And um, so I've been, I guess you could say competitive, but I've always stayed competitive with myself. You know what I mean? And like making myself be better, push myself to do more, um, you know, and you know, I don't want to get too much in the Marine Corps stuff, but, you know, I have, you know, I was a, a McQuist instructor for a while. I don't know if McQuist is a Marine Corps uh, uh, water instructor. You know, I did that. You know, I was a range instructor for a while. Um, I was a DM for a while. I'm a three-time expert on the rifle range um, with iron sights. Actually, this is before people started using ACOG. So if anybody's listening and you used ACOGs, that ain't real, man. Iron sights, iron sights. But, you know, I, I guess, you know, and again, that mindset that I've always had, you know, always pushing myself and wanting to be more with myself, you know, I guess that kind of rolled over into photography. Um, and again, I was never really big into photography um, until maybe about two years ago. So I got out of the Marine Corps and I kind of floated around California for a while for a time, just so everybody's aware, you know, I, I was on Lejeune for five years and then I was able to move duty stations to a different infantry unit, uh, which was three, five, uh, on camp Pendleton. And so I went to camp Pendleton, uh, for four years. Um, and, uh, yeah, I kind of just, um, just kind of floated around for a while and, you know, I always had, I always missed at least when we lived in Ohio and even in North, North, North Carolina and also California, I always missed um, the mountains. You know, I was always like, fuck, man, you know, to be in the mountains, you know, it just it's always felt like home to me. You know what I mean? It just it feels right, you know. So coronavirus hit and I was working for a clothing company at the time uh, as one of the like designer or whatever uh, distributing designer, distributing and then marketing manager. Okay. So I would do like, I would do their Instagram stuff. Yeah. Right. I guess, you know, it makes sense. And so during that time, COVID happens, I immediately lose my job. Like I can think of the day right now is February 14th of 2020 is when California issued like, and no, no, nobody's going to work the next day. If it's not a, you know, hospital, you know, some kind of thing like that emergency. And so immediately I remember going home and I remember just being like, fuck, you know, like, holy shit, I just lost my job. Like straight up lost it. Like didn't get fired. Like she was like, Hey, look, I can't even have you guys back until this is lifted. And I don't even know when that's going to be. And based on what it's looking like, it's not going to be for a while. So I remember like kind of hanging out at home for a little bit. You know, we hung out at home for a while and pretty much in like, uh, let's see, it was May, May of 2020. I remember telling my wife, like, Hey, look, this shit ain't changing. You know, I, I, I do get pension from the VA. Thank God. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm medically retired. Uh, so I collect a, a, a real good pension and especially because it's combat related. So I told my wife, I said, Hey, look, you know, they're not making us pay rent. You know, I don't, we don't have to really worry about too many bills right now, other than like, you know, electric and, you know, the simple things, but like the big shit, like I'm not, we're not having to pay it. And I was like, well, why don't we just kind of like get out of here and get somewhere where we can like be more outside? You know what I mean? Because like, you know, living where we lived out in California at the time we lived in Temecula, it's hot. You know, everybody's crammed in, man. It's just, you know, I'm like, you know, if we're going to be stuck inside, like I'd rather be able to like walk down the street and like maybe throw my fishing rod in a, in a stream. You know what I mean? Like 
do something that could be a little bit more interactive, you know, cause we're not doing shit. <laughs> and so uh, my wife was like, yeah, let's do it. So we got a cabin in Island park, uh, which is just outside of Montana. And um, when we were there, it was like, I mean, that was it, man. I mean, it was like, fuck, dude. I was like, how can I get back here? So you drive through Island Park, you hit West Yellowstone, and then you drive along Yellowstone and you get drive through Big Sky and into Bozeman, which is where I live. And um, I mean, I hadn't seen country like that in years, if not, uh, you know, I mean, I, this, the Sierra Nevadas are amazing, but these mountains are just different. And um, I remember just thinking like, dude, what can I do to get out here? So I ended up, looking for a job, finding a construction job that was like really kicking off. And um, I've done pretty much construction as like a background job my whole life. I've been doing it since I was like, you know, in high school and, or, or even in middle school, actually. So, man, I, when I got the chance, I told my wife and she's like, you know, they're going to pay you, you know, such and such dollars. It was a good deal. And I'm like, you know, in my head, I'm thinking any way that I can get out of here, you know what I mean? Because I dislike California. You know, nothing, nothing against any, anybody that lives in California. It's just not my place. That's all. So I pack everybody up. We literally moved in a month. Um, I ended the lease in, in California, which at that time was pretty much legal to just cut your lease. Um, and so uh, I ended up giving a dude guy a 30 day notice. I was like, I'll be out by July 1st. And he was like, OK. And uh, we were out the day before we came over in like a big old, you know, big like 40 foot or whatever U-Haul my kids in the truck. And that was pretty much it, man. Yeah. We got here. And so like the, you know, obviously as soon as I get here, I'm like into the mountains, I'm, you know, hunting seasons coming around, like, you know, and at that point was when I started saying like, I should get a camera, you know what I mean? Cause I'm like, I'm hiking all these places and you know, I, this is all very new to me in the sense of like the location and the scenery and stuff like that. So you know, I'm walking around and I'm like, man, this is beautiful. You know, I want to take some pictures, you know, so I bought like a really cheap, you know, camera off of Craigslist. I mean, I think it was like a, it was like a T3i, a Canon, like just a little rebel camera, you know, yeah. and it did, it did have an interchangeable lens, but either way, you know, so I'm like taking pictures and pretty much that's kind of where it happened. I, well, not, I shouldn't say how it happened, but you know, I, I that's kind of like what was my, my dive into photography was pretty much me just kind of being like, Hey, you know, I want to, I want to get out and take some pictures. You know what I mean? And that's kind of just, yeah, that's kind of how it started. And from here to now, at least up until, you know, yeah. So did you get awarded a purple heart and second award? Yes, I did. Yes. Yeah, man. Thank you for your service yeah. very much. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that very much. And that's such an awkward ass thing to say, right. And you'd never know what to say back, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Dude, it, it's, it's weird because what else do you say? Like, I'm very appreciative that you stepped up and put yourself in that situation, that you did well enough at it, that you became a non-commissioned officer. You were leading Marines in combat. And some of the absolute worst of it, Ramadi was freaking terrible. Yeah, and then yeah. you get hurt, you stay in the game, you get hurt again, and then you continue to move forward with your life and do right by your family. Like, you're, you're doing well. Yeah, yeah. If it, if it feels that way, sometimes I question it. You know what I mean? I, I have my days, you know what I mean? Where I'm like, you know, when I maybe not question it, but like there's days where you reminisce, you know what I mean? And you're just like, fuck, man, you know, I should have died a few times. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, I'm, I know, you know, I, I do know what you mean, because, you know, I was wounded twice myself, like did a lot the same thing, slightly different time period. 
but no, I I was in from 09 to 14 and okay. was at Wounded Warrior Battalion in, in Lejeune. Okay. But yeah, it's it's weird to go from like sort of that invincibility you feel <laughs> within yeah. combat arms in the Marine Corps. And, yeah, for and I was, sure. I was in tanks, right? So like I really, really felt invincible. Like yeah. I I dare the entire world to come at this tank platoon and see what happens to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then so you go from that mindset to getting hurt and then you've got all these doctors telling you a bunch of stuff that they say you'll never be able to do again and that was everything that that was important yeah right it's hard it's hard to move through that it is yeah absolutely i know it it took me some i mean i guess there was a part of me that was like didn't because they were you know i remember them telling me like oh hey you know you might not ever have feeling in your foot again so it might be a little difficult to walk and this is that and the other and i'm like dude fuck that like I, you know, I guess in my head, it was just kind of like, you just do what you got to do. You know what I mean? I guess that's like my motto. You know, my wife will even say the same thing. I tell my kids, you know, it's like, it is what it is. You know, once you get to wherever you're at and you're questioning or whatever happens and like, you're just like, fuck, you know, it's like, you know, I can think of a billion situations in my life. You know what I mean? Where I've just sat there and been like, fuck, you know, okay, that was a bad decision. And here I am now. So what do I got to do? You know what I mean? And it's like always thinking about what's my next step. It was never like, damn it. I'm stuck here. It was always like, okay, well, here I am. So like, let's try this or, okay, let's try that. Or like, you know, let's, let's do this. Let's do something different. You know, I never, I don't think I have a very defeatist, if that's the right way to put it, you know, defeatist mindset where, you know, just because something didn't work out the way I had planned it doesn't mean that, you know, I just give up now, you know what I mean? Which is, I think of the mindset of, 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 of people these days, you know, they're very easy to just kind of be like, Oh, well, you know, I quit, you know what I mean? Or like, it didn't go their way. So it's like, Oh, fuck it. You know what I mean? You know, the Instagram thing for me didn't work. I'd done it twice. This is the second time. And the first time fucking failed miserably. You know what I mean? And it was, it, it never went anywhere. You know what I mean? To the point where, you know, it was just, I kind of gave up on it and, you know, due to Instagram during this like 20, 21 time frame, you know what I mean? And uh, don't want to get too much into politics, but, you know, Instagram ended up deleting the account, you know, and um, it was so not going anywhere that I didn't care. You know what I mean? It was like, well, fuck it. You know what I mean? Oh, well, it's gone. And, you yeah. know, maybe one, maybe one less thing in my life that I have to like, I don't want to say worry about because I hate that Instagram has become this thing that's like, it takes up so much fucking time. You know what I mean? I don't like that it's that way, but it is that way. So I kind of just have to accept it. You know, I still see Instagram as like, you know, the way it was in like, you know, 2010, you know, where it was like you had your friends and you post a picture of yourself eating a burrito or something like it was never <laughs> like, you know, you, I don't know, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you remember when Instagram wasn't shit, like it was like, it was more about like just connecting with people, you know, you know what I mean? It was never like this thing about like, business and professionality. And like, it was just more like a personal thing. And now for me, I don't even see Instagram as, as a, as a personal um, platform anymore. All I see it is, is money. You know what I mean? To me, Instagram's just, I mean, business selling something, selling yourself, selling your art, pictures, clothing, attire, shoes. I don't give a fuck foundation. Like I don't see Instagram as, as a personal thing anymore. It just, it doesn't ring that truth for me personally, you know? Um, but back to saying like, you know, being sometimes, you know, having somebody tell you that there'll be difficulty is, is a good thing. You know, sometimes that's what, that's what we need to make ourselves be better is having somebody tell us like, yo, this shit's going to be tough. You know, that's the best part. 
Yeah. Is it being tough? You know? Well, and there's a big difference between somebody being like, Hey, this is going to be hard. And yeah. then being like, you need to establish a new normal and not think about ever getting into the same country that bighorn sheep live in ever again. Yeah. 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 Totally. So, but totally. you're an unlikely character, right? You're, you're a Mexican guy with tattoos from your fingertips up, up your neck. Like what? <laughs> you're not the guy that people think of as like this, you know, high angle, uh, wildlife photographer and you're crushing it on bighorn yeah. sheep. Like the, the videos and the pictures you're getting of these sheep are unparalleled. There's nobody else doing it. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, I, it's, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, I, I'm a very humble person. I don't, I don't like to, I just like to say, thank you. You know yeah. what I mean? I, 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 and I'm saying like, thank you. Like, I, I appreciate that. I, I know this is more about like how it happens and like why it's me. Uh, honestly, you know, I don't know, man. It's just, so the, I mean, the, the, the first time I seen bighorn sheep was in big sky in Montana. And uh, I was actually driving up to Walmart because this is during the time that we were staying in Island Park. Um, I was actually driving up to Walmart to get groceries and stuff for yeah. like next like week or two weeks or something. Right. And, you know, for people that know where Island Park is at or anything like that, um, there's fucking nothing out there but the woods. OK, so, I mean, there's like a community of like cabins and like it has there's like a pizza joint, you know, gas station, you know, all spread out. But it's like in the fucking woods, like there's nothing out there. It's in the Tarhee National Forest. So um, to get to where there's food and groceries, you, know, you got to go to Walmart. Either way, um, I ended up taking my cousin who had come down with me. He's like my brother. I, I call him my brother. But so he comes down to visit while we're there for that month. And so we drove up to Bozeman and uh, on the way to Bozeman, because I had never seen Bozeman. So I'm like, fuck it, let's go to the Walmart in Bozeman. It was a little bit further away, but, you know, let's do it. And uh, that was the first time I seen a bighorn sheep. We were driving down the road and right there in Big Sky, um, you're on the 191 and you could turn left to go into Big Sky or you keep going straight to go to Bozeman. And um, we kept going straight. And there's this area where like, you know, the the lights flash is like a bighorn sheep. Like I could think of like an Xing. I, I think of like a pedestrian Xing sign, like the yellow triangle sign. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it just had a, it had a bighorn sheep logo on it right. and it was flashing and it was like big bighorn sheep on the road. And I didn't know this until a couple, a couple like months ago, but apparently there are a couple sheep that are collared and they, the collar sets off when they get so close to the road and it causes those lights to start flashing. Oh, really? So, I didn't know yeah, that. I didn't, I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I actually got told this by a Montana fishing game officer. Yeah. And um, he's like, Oh yeah. So whenever you see it blinking, that means that they're within like about a hundred yards of the road between their like typical like location interesting so but either way i'm driving i don't know if it works like that way with elk but i think this is I, I don't i don't know exactly you know how but he was telling me that that's how they manage that herd there so people know because that's a two-way highway it's a very dangerous road by the way um to get between those two locations either way we're driving see the sign it's flashing and I mean, dude, it was like a full curl ram. I mean, I think now when I look back at it, he probably wasn't really that big. But, you know, it was the first time that I had ever seen like an actual bighorn sheep with my own eyes. Now, I love wildlife. Um, I'm a huge conservationist. I, I, I pay money to Wild Sheep Foundation. Like, you know, I'm a member. Um, you know, I take pride in it. And especially like big game, you know what I mean? It's important to me 
to want to take care of those animals, not just bighorn sheep. You know, I'm also a, a Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation member. Um, but either way, so I see this ram and dude, at that point, man, it was like, fuck, you know what I mean? I seen that ram and I was like, holy shit. Like I have never seen, at least in that moment in my life, I had never seen an animal like that. You know what I mean? That made me feel that way. You know, it was like, you know, for some reason, when I think of bighorn sheep, at least before I, you know, before now, I mean, even still now, but, you know, you think of like this animal that's like super regal, majestic, you know, top of the fucking mountain, like, you know, just, <laughs> you know, that's just how you think of it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, and it's how, and it's, it's how Discovery Channel and National Geographic, I mean, they don't mean to make it that way, but it just is that way. Like, you know, for them to be all the way down by the road is a very seldom thing around here. You know what I mean? It does happen. That's why the signs are there. You know, now that I've been living here for a while, I, I know that it does happen. But when you're talking about like big monster, you know, like, like some big ass rams, they're too smart. You know what I mean? They, they, they don't, they don't get down there. They're, they're just not that way. Um, and so, you know, seeing it for the first time, with my own eyes was like, just, I mean, I was blown away. You know, I, I had never seen, you know, I've, I, I have a big old 400 plus bull elk in my, in, in my house that I shot in salmon Idaho, actually, uh, while I was in the Marine Corps. Um, you know, I have, you know, a couple mule deer, a white tail, like, you know, but like when I seen that Ram, that was it, man. I was like, fuck, that is bad, man. That is, a, that's, that's a bad animal, you know? And, um, like I said, the photography failed the first time. And then um, February of this year, Jan January, February timeframe. Okay. So the photography failed. Remember, like I told you, it, it you know, it could put um, Instagram closed off my account due to, you know, whatever. Uh, so I kind of just like got out of it. Like I was like, oh, fuck it. You know what I mean? It ain't going nowhere anyways. Nobody was looking at it. I think it had like 5,000 followers at the time. Now, mind you, I will say that my technique has changed the way I take my pictures. A lot of stuff has changed compared to, I think I have some old pictures actually. Maybe I could kind of throw up on the screen here for a sec. Um, you know, a, a lot of things have changed, but either way. So I'm sitting on the couch one day and I'm kind of watching TV. My wife is doing something on the computer and she clicks on my external hard drive that holds all of my old pictures. And so this one time, one time I was driving the big sky and I just happened to have my camera in my truck with me. And sometimes I would carry it. Cause you know, there's, you get moose, you know, walking through, you know, walking around, you get obviously big horn sheep, some mule deer, you know, elk every now and again. So sometimes I would just carry the camera with me whenever I would drive to big sky, if I was going there for work or something, just because I might see something cool bald Eagle on the tree on the side of the road. I don't know. Right. So this one day, I'm driving back from big sky. I went there for work. I'm coming home and this big Ram and he's a decent sized Ram. Cause I have a picture of him is on the, is on the side of the road. I pull off on an exit, like on, on, you know, a little two lane, like turnout. And I jump out, I cross the road. And now mind you, I'm, I'm in the Gallatin national forest. Yeah. It's on a road, but like, you know, you're in the mountains. So I get out and either way I, I, I snap this picture and this picture is significant because I don't know if you could tell well you can see it. Oh yeah. But I snapped this picture, right? And he's just like standing there looking at me. Okay. Now, honestly, to me, it's not a great picture. It's 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 not great to me. But my wife gets on the computer, she brings it up, and somehow she brings up this picture and she goes, Wow, look at this picture. And now I haven't looked at my own photography in probably like shit, man. Six months, seven months. Like I have not touched photography at all. 
Okay. Especially because hunting. So I got like real dove into hunting for, for, for the end of the year. You know what I mean? Like I didn't give a fuck about photography. It was like, whatever, you know? And then shoulder season came in for elk, which goes till February 15th. So I was even fucking still going, you know, I still have my cow tag left, you know? So either way, she's like, look at this picture. I look at it. And like I said, I hadn't been looking at my photography for a while. And I looked at that picture and I was like, fuck, like, that's actually not that bad. You know what I mean? Like from having, like I had to detach myself and I will say this, you know, my confidence in my own photography at that time was very, very small because I felt that it wasn't that great, you know? And so thinking, thinking of all that and then looking at the picture, you know, I was just like, fuck man, you know, that, that really wasn't that bad. So my wife goes, you know, like maybe you should like try doing it again, you know? And I was kind of like, okay, you know, and I had a Reddit at the time. Um, and so I'm like, you know what, I'll just post a couple, you know, pictures on Reddit, you know, and just, you know, just kind of see what kind of, cause I, my wife's like, you should try the Instagram again. Like my wife is like my biggest fan, like, you know, do it, try it, go for it. You know what I mean? Like she's always been that way, which is the best. Cause that's how I am. Like, I'm like, fuck it. Let's go. You know, like we're going up that mountain. Sweet. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, that's just how I am. And so she's very much the same way, which is a plus because, you know, she's like, try to do an Instagram again, go for it again, you know, give it a try. And I'm like, should I, you know, and she's like, yes. <laughs> so either way. Um, so I, I, I make a Reddit and just to kind of like dabble. Cause I remember at this point, like, I really don't fucking like Instagram. Like I'm like, dude, fuck you. Instagram kind of a thing. I'm in this kind of mood. And uh, uh, so I make a Reddit. I put a couple old pictures up on Reddit and it just fucking goes. I mean, dude, my Reddit has like 160,000 karmas on 180,000 karmas on it or something like that now. Um, although I don't use it at all anymore. It just kind of sits now dormant actually. Uh, but so at this point I'm like, okay, like, let's just make an Instagram. So I think I officially made my Instagram on February 15th of this year. Like the one that is in these mountains now. And, um, so I make the Instagram and I post up a couple old pictures and so I'm like, you know what? I, and so, so what happened was, is as I'm posting these pictures up, if you go to like scroll to the bottom of my Instagram, like the very first pictures, they're like random pictures, like, you know, uh, deer and elk, you know, like, you know, just like, just, you know, bison, you know, it's just pictures, you know, but I did notice at that point, I noticed, I'm like, you know what, dude, like nobody gets pictures of bighorn sheep, like that's very, very rare. You know what I mean? Like I'm looking at Instagram, I'm looking at bighorn sheep. I'm looking up hashtags, you know? And at this point I'm thinking like, why don't I try to get some pictures of bighorn sheep? Like they're my favorite. I just don't ever see them because I have to put in so much fucking work to go get them. You know what I mean? Like I got to do so much to go find them. You know what I mean? And sometimes you don't even fucking find them, which is like just gut-wrenching. You know what I mean? <laughs> like sometimes you go and you don't find them, dude. It's like you spend hours, an entire day climbing, destroying yourself, and you'll never see them. Yeah. You know what I mean? You'll glass for hours. I mean, dude, I was glassing the other day for like six fucking hours. You know what I mean? And then I finally found them and had like two or three hours to spare. Sometimes you, 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 you win real good and you catch them early, and then other times you don't catch them at all. But- so once you've spotted them, how close are you trying to get before you're taking photos and how sneaky are you trying to be? Okay. So the one thing I will say about bighorn sheep in Montana is they are highly protected, highly protected. And so I can usually get within about 30 yards, 20 yards, somewhere in there, 20, 25 yards. I've had one man walk up to me and I wasn't paying attention. I was like under like a, a ridge in a bush and I've had one get like, 
like sneezing distance by accident. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like bent over. I was like changing. I was going from like my big lens to my really short, like smaller, my like 24 millimeter lens to get like a bigger, wider shot. And I was like bent behind like a bush, you know what I mean? And I'm like changing it. And it was a little windy. So I could understand maybe why he couldn't hear me. The wind was kind of blowing sideways. I wasn't, my scent wasn't blowing at him. Um, but man, I mean, I could have like, yeah, I could have sneezed and hit that dude in the face with my spit. Like, it was just like, he came right up in there and then he like got scared because he realized that I was standing there and all he did was like, just back up a couple steps and like turned around and just kind of walked the other direction. But, um, due to them being so highly protected, you know, there is, there is definitely a, um, definitely an aspect of like, I can get closer to them. Um, I will say this though, I've gone with other people, mainly, mainly family, I should say. Um, and they don't like, the other people. I think that the, the, I usually go see three of the same herds typically, and they're both big climbs away. Um, but I usually go see, you know, three herds and honestly, man, the one herd specifically, like, I feel like they fucking know me, you know what I mean? Like, dude, I'll just like sit and they will literally just like walk around me and like, just stay around me. Like it's the fucking wildest thing. Have you, have you ever, you ever seen that movie on Netflix called, um, my octopus teacher. Yeah. It almost made me stop eating octopus. Dude. It is like my big horn teacher. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, I have videos. I, I literally have just videos of them. Like just, just hanging out with me. Like, I mean, literally like 15 yards, you know what I mean? 15, 10 yards. And they're just like standing there. They're just staring at me. Like they don't even, you know, like, like, I don't know if, let's see if you can see that. Yeah. I mean, they're just like, so there's the camera and they're just, I'm just, I'm just sitting there and they're just like right in front of me, you know, yeah. and they're just like hanging out, like whatever, you know, and they don't seem to mind me, but whenever I bring somebody else, you know, or like if my wife comes or something like that, they're way more wary. Like, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know if I've made like this trusting bond with him, but not that I think of it that way, but you know, they're just like, wait a minute. Like maybe we're more used to him, but like, who is this other person that he's with? So there's a handful of questions people sent in that I kind of want to get to, yeah. um, if you don't mind, no, go you're, ahead. you're, you're, you're the man in this stuff. Uh, <laughs> if, if somebody could only have one lens for wildlife photography, what's it going to be just millimeter wise. Okay. One lens for wildlife photography. Yeah. 500 millimeter or, 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 or 600. I mean the 100 millimeter ratio is very minimal. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're, it's not that drastic. You know what I mean? If anything, what's really going to make a big difference is whether or not you're using a crop sensor or, or, or a full frame camera that will make a significant difference yeah. um, in the sense of the reach. Um, but one lens 500 millimeter F4 for sure. Yeah. So a, a fixed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's called a prime. So okay. a prime lens is essentially a lens that doesn't have any telephoto capabilities. Okay. Um, but what a prime lens does that a zoom does not is a prime lens will give you incredibly sharper images because the image and light that is transferring through the lens to the sensor that's in the camera is moving through less glass because there's no zoom. So gotcha. because there's no zoom, there's so a zoom camera essentially has a couple extra pieces of glass because as you zoom to through, through, through the different optical uh, uh, reaches of, of the lens, the other pieces of glass have to line up and then have to also be clear, right? Have to also lock focus with the prime lens. 
there's no zoom capability. So it's literally like two or three pieces of like really high end glass. So the light and the image that's coming through to the sensor is much better because it's not diffracting through all the other lines of glass, you know? So that's the one thing about a prime lens that'll, that'll give you exponentially better quality um, is because there's less glass in the lens. It's specifically made to be tack sharp at this focal length and that's it. So for me, I will say that if you're starting wildlife, a zoom lens would be better. Um, for me, it's a lot more work. I have to move around and I'm only saying sheep because that's all I shoot or sheep most of the time, but I have to move around the subject, you know, with the zoom, it's kind of nice. Cause you can zoom out. If you get kind of too close to him, you can, you can zoom out. If you're too far away, you can zoom in, you know, for me, it's like, I put my camera up and it's like, Nope, too close. Turn around. I walk back another 10 feet or, Hey, I want to get him from this angle, you know? So I have to move around him and then adjust my, my focal length of the way I see it to put it in the way that I see the picture in my head. It's way more work with a prime lens because you're doing all the work. The camera lens isn't doing it anymore for you. Gotcha. Yeah. Are you shooting full frame? Full frame. Yeah. 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 Always full frame. Well, yeah. And I would say for, for most people that are getting into photography, um, an APS-C, a crop sensor camera is, is going to be, you know, uh, is going to be cheaper as well as be easier for you to be able to take pictures of wildlife um, because of the crop sensor. I don't know if you know the difference between a, a crop sensor and a full frame camera. Yep. Do you know the difference? Okay. I do. So, okay. So like, you know, with the APS-C, you know, you're obviously going to get that 1.6 crop factor, you know, so it's going to get you closer to the wildlife, um, but you are sacrificing detail because the sensor is smaller. Um, so if you're trying to make your pictures look professional, go right for the full frame. Yeah. I messed up and got the wrong lens, um, for a camera and it was only APS-C and I had a full frame camera. Oh, yep. And, yeah, uh, yeah. 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 They sell them lens specific. Yeah. I figured it out in the settings on how to, how to get around it, but it, it was nice to get that extra, extra zoom Reach. out of it. Yeah. Yeah. But also at the end of the day, the photos weren't that great. So yeah, it, it's, it's like, I mean, if you go from like, I mean, I say professional, but I mean like the, the idea of what is professional these days can be very broad, especially when it comes to cameras because of the way that you can edit your pictures and you can make your stuff look better than it was, you know, but like, you know, pretty much in any full frame camera, I have a lot of people always ask me like, what's a good full frame to get into first. And I tell people, man, I had the, I, I tried it out for a while just to try it. The Canon RP, you know, if you're just taking pictures and video is not your focus, you know, the RP is great. You know what I mean? Full frame. It comes out of a 6D Mark II. The sensor does at least, you know, which was a decent sensor. I mean, it wasn't great. It's not like the 5D Mark IV sensor, but, you know, it's decent for only being, I think it's like 800, 700 bucks now used. I think you can get an RP now used for like $700. And you're, and you're talking, that's a full frame camera. That came out of the 6D, which was Canon's, you know, professional lineup for, for full frames. You know what I mean? So it would be a, it would be a good start for somebody that's just getting into it to kind of give them that good, like initial punch. You know what I mean? to give their pictures that initial like pow, you know, but yeah. Cool. Okay. And another question was, have you ever had any encounters that you felt like were starting to become dangerous with wildlife? Yes. Um, I, well, okay. So I've never had an encounter with bighorn sheep. I've never had like a negative encounter with like elk or deer. Or anything. I did have an encounter with a bear. Uh, it was a grizzly bear. Um, actually I was on live and this was like, like a month ago, maybe give or take. Um, I was up 
outside of Gardner. Um, there is bighorn sheep that are in those mountains up there. And, um, man, I was coming down the hill and there was like a draw. I was coming down like the main mountain and the main mountain, like had, you know, obviously had the top. And then where I was walking, it kind of like sectioned into a draw, you know what I mean? And it kind of like ran a draw. And then next to me, there was like another hump and then another draw. And, uh, so I'm walking down the mountain and I start to like run and start to like walk in between this draw. And as I'm walking through this draw, there's like a hill right here. Right. And now because the draw is dropping down, this hill is steadily getting higher and, you know, above me. So as I'm coming down it about the point where like, I can see over the hill and it's just my neck. I see, I mean, fucking big ass grizzly bear. I mean, I guess is the only way that I can say it. You know, <laughs> I see this big ass fucking grizzly bear. And he was probably like, I don't know, man, maybe like 50, 60 yards away. You know, now I carry a firearm. I don't know if that's another question that people had asked you if I carry any kind of like, you know, protective. Absolutely. The places where I go to shoot bighorn sheep, 100% have bears um, and mountain lions. And we're talking like the baddest fucking grizzlies in the lower 48 live where I live in this area that I shoot bighorn sheep. Um, so a guy got killed just a couple of days ago, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's it, it happens, man. It, it, it happens all the time. It's, is, that, is that the second or third fatality this year? I think that's the second one. I'd have to check, though. I, I literally just heard about that. I think it was yesterday and I was kind of like skimming and I was like, fuck, I remember seeing it. I was like, fuck. And I was like doing something else. And, you know, your mind gets all caught up, but I didn't look too far into it, but I think that's the second. I'm not exactly sure. So don't quote me on it. But so I see this bear. He's like coming over the next draw. He hasn't seen me because only like half of my head is sticking up past the hill as I'm walking down it. And um, he went down into the draw. So in my head, I'm assuming he's walking in my direction. Right. So he went through his draw. He's going to come up the hill and then he's going to boom, come in my draw. So in my head, I'm like, okay, the last thing I want to do is like stand here and wait. Cause if he comes over the fucking hill and sees me, you know what I mean? It might be one of those situations where he gets scared and then attacks, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I thought, okay, so I was literally doing a live and I, I tell everybody that's on the live. I'm like, Hey, look, I'm just going to keep you guys on live. There's a big fucking bear. And in my head, I'm like, you know, this would be evidence, you know, like, yeah. you know, cause grizzly bears in Montana are highly protected. So if this bear charges me, I got on video. I'm sorry. Like, you're just gonna have to watch, watch this if you want, you know what I mean? Kind of thing, but I'm recording it. And, um, so I kind of was like, okay, I'm just going to move down the draw real fast. Cause I can't see him. And I don't know if he's going to be like right over my head. So I just started not, I didn't run, but I, I moved hastily. Um, and at one point I thought I had heard him kind of like, you know, like, a, you know, like it just him, like making noise. Um, I pulled my, I pulled my firearm out um, and I pretty much went down the mountain holding the firearm the whole time. And I ended up turning around probably about after about a hundred something yards. And I looked back up and I could see him and he went through his draw and then turned, which I guess would be his right. And then we started heading back up the mountain. So we started, we were going different directions, I guess, towards it, but yeah, that's probably the closest time that I've been that close to a grizzly bear in open country where, you know, where, where it's me just like walking with, a fucking. Yeah. I wasn't holding my camera, but you know, yeah. I'm up here doing camera shit. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't like hunting or anything, you know, but that's probably the closest that it's been. Yeah. So far, hopefully none closer. Yeah, for sure. What kind of pistol are you carrying? Uh, it's a 44 mag. It's a Taurus 44. Um, and I use Buffalo bore uh, plus P uh, 44 mag bear ammunition. It's a uh, 305 grain solid cast uh, snub nosed and 
yeah, it's plus P. So after about, after about five or six shots, your, your hand is, is it's gone. Like, it's yeah. like, fuck, yeah, that's like, that's, that's a stopper right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you, you know, you, I, I, I wasn't, I was prepared, but when I, you know, cause I mean, shooting the 44 mag and then the 44 mag plus P there's a difference. Like, you know, it's still 44 mag, you know, but that extra, that extra bit of gunpowder is like substantial, you know, that, 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 that shit'll stop like a small Honda. You know what I mean? Or at least, at least that's what you think in your head when you look at the bullet and you're like, there's, I mean, it's a big ass round, you know, coming out of a pistol, you know, 305 grain, you know what I mean? It's like, even my 308s, like I shoot like one eighties out of it. You know, this is like almost double the size of that. You know what I mean? So it, and it looks funny too. Cause the bullet's huge. Um, it just looks kind of out of place. Yeah, no, definitely a gun that uh, you want to hit well on your first shot. Cause the recoil is yeah. pretty much going to oh, take you out like, of the fight after that. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not too bad, but it's one of those ones where like, I've, I have, I have practice specifically for like second shots. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I, I, I get like, I, I usually do, I'll practice with the 44 specials, which have like almost barely any kick at all. Um, well, you know, they have kick, but it's not obviously nothing like a 44 mag. Um, but I'll practice with the 44 specials and then I'll go over to like, just like standard, like 200 and. I think they're like 280 grain, uh, 44 mag rounds. You know what I mean? They're just kind of like test rounds, you know, not test rounds, but like, just like, you know, they're not like the bear stoppers, you know, but I usually train, I'll train myself with those. And then I'd use a couple of the, you know, of the big ones just to like get my hand used to it. But yeah. 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 You got to train for the follow-up, man. Cause yeah. Trying to shoot that hand cannon. Like you, you, like it's one of those ones, it's one of those guns where like, you couldn't just take it and like, just start to get into it. You know what I mean? Like you can, like, you know, pretty much any semi-automatic pistol for the most, most of us military and, you know, outdoor kind of guys, like I could pretty much pick up any semi-auto pistol and just have a decent time firing it and be decently accurate at it. You know what I mean? Here and there. But that gun is like, no, you have to like, try it out, get a good grip, feel the firearm. You know what I mean? Cause the first time you shoot it, it's, it's an eye opener. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> make, your, make your nose bleed. Yeah. Oh man, dude. Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're not holding a good enough dude that 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 fucker will fly yeah i mean it'll be i i yeah yeah let's just let's just leave it at that sure well we're getting close on time here you also yeah. sell you sell prints of uh some of these some of these photos you're taking right yeah yeah yes i do okay so here's what we're gonna do um yeah. i love to support uh a veteran-owned business and i love the photography that you're doing so we're gonna run a little contest uh okay. for the next couple of weeks Okay. So this will run from two weeks from when the show airs. Okay. Um, I just want people to go and uh, write a review on, um, on Apple podcasts. Okay. Want them to go and follow you. Okay. They do those two things. Then uh, I'm going to buy one of these prints from you and I'm going to send it to whoever wins it. I think that's a, uh, that's an awesome, awesome thing that somebody can win. And uh, I want, want people to, to go and look at your work too, in case they don't win and uh and need to buy something on their own yeah. well thanks man i appreciate that very much super super beautiful and Thank man, you. it's it's been great to to talk to you and, and hear your story uh Thank you're, you you're an incredible dude and Thank we you. need to yeah maybe next year if you're at sheep show or something we'll get together and have a drink. yeah 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 i've already so i've i know um a lot of the people at wild sheep foundation on, on, a, on a personal level specifically uh uh gray thornton and um so we've already kind of had these discussions, um, about sheep show. Um, I have pictures all over Bozeman, Shanae's 
ghost town coffee revolver um so if people are looking to see them like with their own eyes before they you know maybe place an order or they're interested in it you can see the actual prints um and we're talking like full prose to prints 30 by 40 24 by 36 acrylics um they're kind of spread around everywhere so yeah nice nice yeah so if you're in bozeman definitely go yeah. go check that out Absolutely. and uh yeah once again thank you very much for your time and and yeah, keep man. it up keep posting those awesome. photos because i love I will. i'll do my All best right. <laughs> thanks man i appreciate it thank you I'm working on building a house this year, which is something that I know nothing about. And I love that. It's exciting. Uh, everything is a new challenge and there's lots of challenges that pop up. The other day we we're laying out rebar and getting ready to pour concrete for the foundation of the shop that's going to be next to the house. And one of the guys that was there that was helping one of the construction crewmen, I looked over and he had a Stanley thermos sitting on the end of the trailer. I said, how do you like that thing? And he goes, oh, I love it. I've had it for a decade. Like. You know, if you find any environment where people are out there working hard, working hard with their hands outside, no matter the conditions, you're probably going to see a Stanley product there. It's something that just goes with that blue collar labor because that's what this product is doing. It is out there working just as hard as you are. It's going to be there as long as you are. It's going to be there after you're done. It's something that that I feel passionate about with every piece of gear that I take either into the woods or into the workplace, like it's gotta be able to outwork me and I work really hard myself. If you are also a hard worker, and I'm sure that you are, then you could probably appreciate the same type of gear. If you go to stanley1913.com and you use the discount code six ranch, that's the number six and the word ranch, you can get 25% off just about any of their products. And I encourage you to do that. They're a great supporter of this show and a great supporter of this audience. Again, I love you guys. And I just want to pass this, uh, this discount and the savings on to you. If you want something from Stanley, I encourage you to get it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share the show with a friend. You can also rate the podcast and leave a review. Your support allows me to keep doing what I love, which is meeting incredible folks and sharing their stories with you. For more content and photos, follow the show on Instagram at Six Ranch Podcast or me at Six Ranch Outfitters. This episode was produced by Emily Brannigan with original music written and performed by Justin Hay. Art for the Six Ranch Podcast was created by John Chatelain and digitized by Celia Christofferson. Tune in every Monday for a brand new episode of the Six Ranch Podcast. I'll catch you next week.